Pastor Josh kicked off our Advent series last week, Worshiped Him, and he talked about worshiping God with hands lifted high, even through difficult times. Today, we're going to look at the story of the wise men when they came to worship Jesus after his birth. They came to worship him and they came, as you remember, to bring gifts. And there were three types of gifts. Uh, if you remember, uh, we just sang about it in the first Noel, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But just as a side note uh, to that Christmas carol and the Christmas carol, We Three Kings, we don't actually know how many men actually showed up uh, to worship Jesus that day because the Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, there could have been a dozen. We just know that the men brought three gifts to worship Jesus. I want to look at Matthew chapter 2. You'll see what I'm, I mean in verses 1 through 11. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About, remember that, about that time, some wise men came from eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where was the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not only does this story of the wise men not tell us how many men actually showed up, it doesn't tell us how far these men traveled. Uh, it could have been close to a thousand miles away, possibly as far as modern day Iran. That is a tremendous undertaking on the back of a camel, uh, a thousand miles without an airline involved. And because of that, the Bible, it, it just says they came from eastern lands. We, we don't know how long it actually took them. One indicator might be that once Herod was not revisited by the wise men so that he could go and worship the child. Herod ordered all the children two years old and under killed, which may give us some indication as how far and how long it took the wise men to get to where Jesus was. The Bible says that the wise men actually came to a house and they saw the child 
So Mary and Joseph were no longer in the stable with baby Jesus when the wise men showed up. It appears that the wise men actually didn't follow the star all the way from the east either. They saw the star rise in the east, which indicated that a great king was born in the land of Israel. So the wise men went to the most logical place to find a newborn king, Jerusalem, the capital, to King Herod himself, the current king, assuming that one of his relatives had a baby. But he wasn't there. And it was only after the wise men left that they then saw the star again and were overjoyed. And through that star, God miraculously led them to the very house in Bethlehem where they found Mary and Jesus. It was there that they worshiped him and they gave him gifts. They worshiped the one who the heavens proclaimed was born, the Messiah. Maybe you can remember a time, an experience, where it was just crystal clear obvious that God was guiding you and leading you. Maybe you ran into someone at Walmart because God told you to go there who needed to talk. True story, one of the youth leaders shared that with our youth about a month ago. Maybe you landed a job, and it was just obvious because of the circumstances that God's hand was involved in it. Maybe you started a relationship with someone after you had broke up, and that person later became your husband or your wife. Maybe you found this church and got into a connect group, and God led you to the, just the right people for that season of life and the challenges that were in it. You probably didn't follow a star. <laughs> but most believers can remember or think of a time when God was clearly directing their steps. It was just undeniable. And it's in those seasons in life where God makes himself known in very clear ways. In my experience, there is always a joy in our lives when we sense that God is leading us. Even if we are walking through some difficult experience like Pastor Josh talked about last week, it is just good to know in those times that God is there, that he cares, that he has a plan, and that he's leading us. Those experiences leave us in awe of a God that rules in the heavens, but yet is involved in our lives. Sometimes, though, joy is kind of different. Joy is a matter of perspective. Joy is a matter of what you choose to focus on. I am sure after a journey of possibly a thousand miles that these wise men, however many there were, could have found something to complain about, like my butt hurts from sitting on a camel. In fact, I smell like a camel. One of those guys could have said, if I inhale one more grain of sand. I'm going home. But they didn't. They celebrated that God was leading them. There is always something to complain about, but God was directing their steps. He was obviously leading, and they saw the star again. They were filled with joy, and it wasn't too late. However long that journey took, they were about to meet a king that the stars proclaimed his birth, the Messiah. 
and they were going to get to worship him. So they were filled with joy. I hope and I pray as you remember the times when God led you, when he directed your steps, when it was just crystal clear obvious, no other way that God was involved in your life, that you remember and are filled with joy. Because God had a plan then, and God has a plan now for your life. Look at verse 11 again with me as we kind of peek into this moment of worship. It's Matthew 2:11. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These men humbled themselves. They bowed before a child and gave him gifts. And I want to take just that snapshot of these men worshiping Jesus and challenge us to worship Jesus in the same way this morning, to, to humble ourselves, to, to bow down, to bow our hearts, to surrender and worship him and bring him gifts. And you might think, whoa, wait a minute. Did, did I just hear the pastor say, bring him gifts? Uh, try not to roll your eyes. Christmas time is a time when we bring gifts. And we bring gifts because God first gave. We, we worship him because he gave. So don't run out the door. It, it's why we do Christmas. It's why we celebrate in this season. Because God loved and gave his son. In fact, that's a tried and true principle of love. If you're taking notes, love gives. It's true. Watch any teenage boy or any teenage girl shop for their boyfriend or girlfriend, and you will know that love gives. They will spend every cent they own. It's not a bad thing. It's just true. Love gives. Watch a grandparent with a new granddaughter or a new grandson, and you will know the truth. Love gives. You won't have enough room, if you're the mom and dad, for all the toys and things that will come into your house. It's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a God thing because love gives. Everybody has heard John 3.16. I don't, know, I don't even care if you're not a Christian. You have seen John 3.16, whether it's at a sports stadium, but it says this and proclaims this truth. For God so loved the world that he gave, not gold or frankincense or myrrh, but his one and only son, because love gives. God's love gives even when it's not deserved by us, even when it's not in God's best interest to give, he still gives. Romans 5.8 proclaims that truth. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're, we were yet sinners. You see, it's, it's not like any of us deserve the love of God. I, I know people that struggle with feeling, quote unquote, good enough for the love of God. Well, if you struggle with that, you know what? Join the club. 
None of us, no one receives the favor of God because God is impressed with how good you are. We are all blessed with the grace of God because we humbly accept and bow before a Savior who loved us enough in our sin to lay down his life so that we could have a relationship with God now and forever. Love gives. Now, somebody's probably thinking, well, I love God and I really appreciate what Jesus did for me. But like giving is really hard for me. And again, join the club. It is hard for everybody. Somebody's thinking, well, it's tight. It's Christmas time. I don't know if I can afford to give. Yep, it's true for everybody. I just don't want to part with my money, somebody says. <laughs> yeah, nobody does until you learn that you really can't outgive God. Some people are afraid. Some people are hesitant. I get it. I, I sometimes think that I had, um, well, it wouldn't be an unfair advantage, but it would be an advantage over most people in the area of giving. Because my parents, before they met Jesus, made a terrible mess of their marriage and their relationship and our family. So when my dad accepted Jesus and moved out of his apartment and back into our home, things changed. And when my mom got out of the hospital after her nervous breakdown and accepted Jesus, and my parents decided to make their relationship work and to start putting God first in absolutely everything. You see, my, my parents had made such a mess out of their relationship that they said, you know what, <laughs> we, we've tried this our way. We're gonna do absolutely everything God's way from this point forward. And one of the ways that my parents did that was in teaching us kids to give. We, we tithe from the very earliest of ages. They modeled putting the Lord first in everything, not, not just giving. And it was hard. Things were tight. I've shared these stories before in messages. I'm sorry. I, they're just part of who I am. But our, our mobile home growing up was cold. You know, my mom used to turn the burners of the stove on to take the chill off in the kitchen while we ate breakfast. It was cold. But they taught me that God is faithful and that he provides and that you cannot outgive God because love gives. Jesus, I believe, affirmed that spirit of giving in Matthew 23, 23. It says this. What sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. After my parents got saved and moved back together, I can honestly say that they display justice and mercy and faith and love like my brother and I had never experienced before. In fact, I can remember thinking like, who are these people? <laughs> Where did my parents go? These people can stay. You know, but it was that drastic of a change. It didn't happen because they were tithing. It didn't happen because they were giving 10% of their income. It happened because like the wise men, they humbled themselves and bowed before the king. 
and did things God's way. In fact, I think that might be the most significant thing in this entire story, is it says that the wise men bowed and worshiped. They worshiped and they loved him and they gave because they loved, because love gives. There is a giving principle in that, uh, in Proverbs that I wanna share with you this morning. It's in verses nine and 10. It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. The principle is this, honor God with the best and he will bless the rest. You might even get some really good wine out of the deal. I mean, it's biblical, right? Um, I'm just kidding. Um, God will bless you. Wine's okay, but you, God will bless you. The, the, this principle is about believing that 90% with God's blessing is better and greater than 100% without God's blessing. And I, the, the lights kind of like shield me, but I, if I could see you clearly, <laughs> I could almost pick out those who tithe because the tithers know this is true. And, and you're like, yep, amen, you can't give, outgive God. Somehow God makes 90% greater than 100%. It's just true because it's a biblical thing <laughs> and it's true. Those of you who don't tithe are sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm falling for this. The preacher just wants money like everybody else wants money and, and I hear you. This is a huge area of our lives to surrender to God. It's probably the hardest thing to surrender to God. And what I'm saying is simply this. If you trust God, God will provide and be faithful. He wouldn't ask you to do this if it wasn't for our best interest. In fact, this is the only area in all of scripture that God says this. Test me, taste and see, try it out. See if I won't prove faithful to you in this. Worship me in this way and see if I will not bless you. Personally, I love being faithful in giving and I don't give just because I'm a pastor. My parents made sure long ago that, that it's just who I am. I love being part of making Jesus known. And I bet the wise men never ever imagined, they had no clue that their gift of worship would be retold over and over and over again. Through the centuries, Jesus was made known through their giving to the king. Their seeking Jesus set an example for all of us to follow. And as we continue to prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ this Advent season, let us also remember our search for Jesus. Remember when he led you and guided you to faith. Remember when you received him and you knew that your sins were forgiven. Remember the joy and the excitement of that season of your life and this Christmas season. Bow before him, worship him, and bring him gifts. Love him, because love gives. Let's pray. Father, as we pray, we ask that 
your presence would be heavy upon our hearts this morning. And that you would do a work and that giving wouldn't be something that we do out of obedience, but that it would be a reflection of worship and what, have, what you've done for us in Christ. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to your church this morning, that, that you would move us to be generous in all things, that we would recognize your love for us and that we would respond by bringing gifts to you and worshiping you. And as you take a moment and just reflect this morning on those seasons in life when God led you and led you to faith, I want to ask that everyone in the house this morning, that you would respond to that love of God by giving something today. Maybe some of you will give your first tithe for the first time ever, and you'll trust him with the best, and that he'll bless the rest. And maybe some of you will give five bucks, and maybe somebody, it'll be a dollar or a quarter. But I'm asking that you give something today as an act of worship. Not out of obedience, not because you quote unquote should, but just to say thank you to a God who gave his life to you. Maybe this will be a first act of worship this way before you. Imagine what it would have been like to be one of those wise men kneeling at Jesus' feet, opening your treasure chest to worship him this morning. As we, as we keep praying together, some of you, you, you might recognize that like those wise men on the beginning of that journey, you feel like you are so far from God. But there's something in your spirit that is drawing you to him. And that is the Holy Spirit of our living God. And he is trying to convince you in your, in your heart that he loves you and he loved you enough to make a way to, for you to have a relationship with God now and forever. And if you're here this morning, you're wondering, is this, should I accept Jesus? Don't let this day pass. Don't, don't let something like a giving message stand in the way of meeting Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you would like to accept Jesus as your savior, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. If you raised your hand this morning, would you pray the prayer on the screen with me and with everybody else? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me so I could live for him. Holy Spirit, fill me so that I could follow you. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name, amen.